Hello, I'm Shara Beckley. In this episode of Recruitment in the Modern World, we discuss a feature of person specifications and job advertisements that we frequently encounter at FJ Wilson Talent Services. When we're being briefed by employers on roles, it's common that an organization will say that they want candidates who have worked in the same type of organization and for a certain duration. For example, many of our clients are membership bodies. Often a hiring manager will specify that a candidate must have two years experience of working for a membership body. Often this type of specification is designated as desirable, though sometimes will often be deemed essential. So with me, I'm glad to have Anthony Haynes, Communications Director of FJ Wilson, to discuss the significance of this point. Hi, Anthony. Hello, Shara. Good to be here. Awesome. So, Anthony, I know you feel this characteristic of specifications can be unhelpful and even somewhat counterproductive. Why? Well, I think it's good to conduct a mental experiment here. So um, we have uh, uh, briefing meetings with our clients where uh, we send um, typically a resourcing partner or account manager, if you like, and probably one of the research team as well. Mm-hmm. And to hear from the employer what it is they're looking for when they want to appoint a candidate. And um, often we sort of sit there and they work through and say they must have these kind of skills and, you know, possibly as a kind of qualification they need. And we sit there thinking, that's fine, you know, that's good. We know the kind of people you mean. We're pretty confident we can find a good field of candidates. And then they say, oh, and by the way, they must have, you know, X years, let's say two years experience of working for a membership organisation. And the moment they say that, the total potential field it's curtailed. You know, the, the, the number of possibilities is reduced quite drastically. Mm. And if you think about this from a candidate's point of view, someone's sitting there reading the advert and thinking, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's me. Yeah, that fit. yeah, I can apply for this job. And then there's this extra stipulation must have, you know, worked for a membership body for three years or whatever. Mm. And they think, well, I haven't, you know, that's so I can't apply for it anymore. So you never get their application. Yeah. And what that means is, um, because the field's diminished, the chances of, you know, one hopes you'd still come up with a field, but the chances of getting the right person are diminished. And and it may actually be you have to re-advertise because you haven't really got enough of the kind of people you'd really like to see. Yeah, because you've really just shrunk your pool of talent successful for this role and who could equally be great for this role. Um, But there are, I mean, aren't there good reasons why wanting candidates to have experience of working for the same kind of organisation? Yes, that's true. Um, I I think uh, often uh, membership bodies and professional associations and so on have a distinctive ethos. And so to give a couple of examples, uh, it may be in, in, in certain organisations, it's particularly important to, to behave with discretion. You know, maybe that's a key value. Or it may be it's a job where you have to, you've got different stakeholders and you have to kind of all the time, you have to be trying to balance the preferences and the values of the various groups of, of stakeholders. So you want someone who's got experience of that. So I get that. And I'm certainly not saying one should never put in the specification that they must have X years of experience. But um, what what I am saying is avoid putting it in as a default. Mm. 
you know, think, consider it first. And in particular, ask yourself, like, does it have to be an essential requirement? You know, it's helpful to distinguish between essential and desirable. Does it really have to be essential? And I think on that question, I think there are really th- probably three good reasons to hesitate before making okay. that decision. Okay, let's, let's take them one by one then. What's the first reason to hesitate? Well, the first one is just simply there's a multitude of membership organisations and that that sector is actually highly diverse. So mm. we know this well, you know, um, since we were founded in 2009, this is a market we've specialised in. So we've worked with lots of different types of organisations and they vary hugely. They vary in terms of, you know, their history, how long they've been around, mm. their, their sort of status, they vary in their size and so on. So what that means is when people say must have X years of experience in membership organisations, what they really mean is organisations of our type. But actually, someone who's worked for a different type of membership organisation hasn't worked for a membership organisation of your type. So it's actually a rather kind of flabby way of getting at what you want to get at. And it may be that you can tick the box and they meet that criterion, but actually you're not really getting what you thought you were getting. It's so true because, you know, often you hear organisations or people say, you know, the role we need or the resource we need is someone to come in with fresh eyes and a new approach. But this actually somewhat does the opposite. Mm, indeed. Um, <laughs> indeed. And, and so that's the first. What's the second reason to sort of hesitate and really answer that question whether this is essential or desirable um i think being aware of the potential for learning so there might indeed be distinctive things about your organization that that people working there need to appreciate and align with but it doesn't mean they're not capable of learning them mm-hmm. and if you think about your current staff uh they weren't they didn't emerge from the womb <laughs> with some sort of <laughs> you know, some sort of genetic mutation that meant they were peculiarly, you know, some, somehow already had this innate knowledge about sure. the type of, well, somewhere along the line, they've, they've actually learned that. And so it's important to be aware of the potential for learning. And for me, the absolute key point here is, what are you saying about your own organisation? Because if you're really saying that in this regard, they have to arrive fully formed, the logical implication of that is you don't think they're going to learn it or get the sort of suitable learning experience or the professional development while they're in their job to acquire it. And that's not really a great message to be sending. And you really have to ask yourself, do you, does one think that negatively about, about your own organisation? Absolutely. So well, what I have noticed is that some organisations in this sector have spent time trying to articulate what they take to be their core values. Mm. And often when they do that, the document sounds a little bit bureaucratic, but it is actually quite useful because once you've decided what your core values are, well, then you can assess people for those. You can assess people how well aligned and how sympathetic they are with those values and whether they can demonstrate behaviours that conform with those values. And that's a much more useful thing than simply putting in a tick box sort of must must have X years experience of working for membership bodies or whatever. Definitely. And there's sort of two reasons why that also um, makes sense in my mind is 
firstly, you know, the market it continues to be quite competitive, as we know, mm, yep. and talent services. Yep. So when candidates are looking for roles, they want to know that they'll be in an organization that enables and allows for professional development and that there's a yes. clear sort of um, route there. But by saying that this is essential, again, you're limiting that pool. And then I remember a former CEO once said, you know, you can teach the technical expertise to a degree, you know, you can teach certain things on the job, but what you can't really teach is passion um, Mm. and on some of those values that are essential to the organization. So if somebody ticks those requirements, that's what's really essential, the aspects of which you cannot teach. Absolutely, yes. Taking us to our third and final reason, Anthony, what else do organizations and membership bodies have to sort of consider? Well, the, 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 I would say you touched on it earlier, actually, Shara. I think there's a question here of diversity, which mm-hmm. is if you continually fish in the same pool, you know, if, if each time you're recruiting from your organization, you're, you're making this specification about experience, there's a high risk that you're going to end up with a high degree of sameness in your organization and and that might not be very helpful i mean you know to put it provocatively if you're having a meeting where you're trying to develop some ideas and insights and you've got five people who've all got a similar background maybe they're going to come up with the same points and then if you appoint a sixth who's also got that background <laughs> i mean is there any point you know are they, what are they going to add whereas if you've got someone who's come up through a different route a different pathway there's a greater possibility that they, they generate some insight or develop a perspective that, that wouldn't have been available to you before. Absolutely. And going back to your our original question, for membership bodies to answer, are you sure this candidate truly needs experience of working for a mm. membership body? Mm. Or are you being counterproductive to the resource that you do definitely need to continue to propel the organisation and move the organisation forward? Indeed. Excellent. Well, there we have it. Thank you very much, Anthony. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been uh, fun as always. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, And please do join us for the next episode of Recruitment in the Modern World. The music for this episode comes courtesy of the composer Harry Chalmers. (laughs) 